Why, hello out there, all of you listening out in, I was going to say TV land, but that's not, and it's not radio land. Podcast land, podcast land takes too long to say. <laughs> it's got to flow better than that. I don't know. Fuck it. Don't breathe. We're going to talk about that shit later. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. We're the Fried Squirms. We're here to get fucking stoned, talk about horror movies. Right now, we're getting our green hits in. Danny. What kind of fucking weed did you bring me today? All right, so no surprise, brought an old trusty strain over, and that strain happens to be Sour Diesel. Once again, it is a Sativa dominant hybrid, 90-10 on that split. THC runnies right around uh, 24.7 over at Flowers where I picked it up. But for those who don't know, once again, it is a cross of a Mexican Sativa and Chemdog. It is known because of its diesel name, hence the kind of diesel aroma flavors mm-hmm. that you'll get with a little back end of some lemon taste. So for those who like to be creative, who like to be energized, like the feeling of euphoria, happiness, and feeling uplifted, this one is definitely a good strain for that, along with the candy, citrus, skunky, and sweet aromas and flavors. So, yeah, I enjoy it. It's a good sativa. Oh, yeah. All right. So this week, I brought you... Some I do glue. Yeah. Now, I think I've brought that one in before, but I think I might have given the wrong information on it before. I'm pretty sure before I said that it was a hybrid of Gorilla Glue number four, also known as Original Glue, and Dosey Dose. I'm pretty sure now that it's actually a cross of Gorilla Glue number four and Wedding Cake. Mm, nice. Wedding Cake. Also a little bit more of a boutique strain, also known as Triangle Mints Number 23, is a cross of Animal Mints and Triangle Kush. And we've had Gorilla Glue Number 4 on here so many times, I don't think I need to bring that up again. Now, technically, Sativa Dominant Hybrid, dude, this shit's been getting me fucking stoned all weekend. Like I've been getting fucking ripped off of it, so have some fun. It's like 24.9%. Nice. A little peppery, but a little sweet. Yeah, I like it. So far, so good. That's what I got. Like I said, we're going to talk about Don't Breathe. We'll start off by doing the Guts and Bolts right here in this next section. Guts and Bolts. All right, like I said, the who and what went in this movie, that's the Guts and Bolts. We're going to stay spoiler-free. Start off with our spoiler-free setup for Don't Breathe. Man, they're too young to be technically career criminals. Three delinquents get a lead on a house robbery that could get them out of the game completely. And really, how hard could it be to rob a blind guy? Dun, dun, dun. I know, right? It's like, and more to follow. <laughs> so I like it, dude. I think it's a good brief setup of what this film entails. Of course, from week to week, we like to talk about our cast and crew in this week. We are going to be talking about a gentleman we both really enjoy, somebody we haven't really done at yet in terms of uh, full capacity, but he is one half of the writing team. He's our director, and that is Fetty Alvarez. And as if he needs an introduction, some people might know him from his Spanish-entitled film, Ataque de Panico, which is the panic attack from 2013. He also helped with Evil Dead from the same year in 2013. Some people might know his work on The Girl in the Spider's Web. And from the series From Dust Till Dawn from 2014. So we did mention that he is one of the writers. He also helped with the follow-up to this film. Hence, um, Don't Breathe 2. 
Along with that, his partner on this is Rodo Sayegas, and he also helped on Panic Attack. He also helped on Evil Dead 2013, and he also helped with uh, Call, which is a TV series, and he's also the director of Don't Breathe 2. I was going to say, Don't Breathe 2 is going to be his directorial debut. Yeah, it's really cool. So he helped write the script as well as that. All right, our cinematographer on this is Pedro Luque, and Pedro... One of those gentlemen's got some really cool credits to his name. So for those who are curious, you can go back, look at his work on such things as Panic Attack, believe it or not. He helped also on the ABCs of Death for the segment E. He also helped with such things as The Watcher from 2016. He also helped on The Girl in the Spider's Web, 2019's Jacob's Ladder, and the film's Antebellum. Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. He helped on three episodes of that. And, of course, Don't Breathe Part 2. Uh, before we get too far away from them, I did just want to, like, talk about Fede for a second. And one of the reasons why I think we both kind of like him. He's kind of one of these guys that we can bring up to all these people that are rationally hate remakes just because they're a remake. Right, yeah. And be like, go fucking shove it. Because, <laughs> dude, even people that don't like remakes, I've noticed, you know, just my own experience but checking out like message boards and you know different like Facebook groups and shit, there's pretty much a pretty good consensus that he fucking knocked it out of the park with that remake. You're not gonna find an argument from me concerning that film. I really liked it, and that's one that I think before that a lot of people would have considered untouchable. It's yeah, you're right. A it's, classic. It is kind of one of those golden films, I suppose, in the genre. So, but his take on it, man, did something. So I think any time his name's mentioned, both me and your ears perk up oh, just because, yeah. like, oh, shit. Yeah, he's on the map, dude, just because of that film alone. Oh, shit. Yeah, so huh, no complaints for me. Plus so much blood. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome, man. Actually, I think I mentioned this before, too, is that was one of, if not the last film I'd seen in the theaters in South Carolina before I moved up here mm-hmm. to Montana. So it's a nice little sending off. All right. We have three editors and starting off, we have Eric B. Beeson, actually a gentleman we've talked about before, back on episode 97 when we reviewed Joyride. Oh, shit. Okay. Wait, what number was Joyride? Dude, you heard me right. Episode 97. You're fucking with me, right? I wish. It doesn't feel like that long ago, dude. It's crazy. What? <laughs> okay. Yeah, man. Candy cane. So a few films of note. I almost would have believed 197. Yeah, Exactly, no, 97. That's crazy. All right, a few films of note outside of Joyride from Mr. Beeson. We have Captain Nuke and the Bomber Boys. Some people might know him from The Education of Charlie Banks. Actually, a pretty good film. Mm-hmm. He did 2009's The Stepfather. He helped on seven episodes of Justified from 2014 through 2015. And he also helped on For the Love of the Game and The Haunting in Connecticut. So it's pretty cool films there. We also have Louise Ford. We talked about her. Now, she's a big hitter. Reason being, three films. We reviewed one of them. We reviewed episode 56, The Witch, a folktale. and a New, New England, England folktale. Yeah. We also talked about her, I believe, briefly, perhaps, when we went and seen The Lighthouse. Oh, shit. On The Lighthouse, too? Okay. And she's also the upcoming editor for On Robert Northman? Eggers. Northman, yep. Makes sense. Like, CinemaCon just happened, and I think they were shown just, like, a snippet. The description I heard was Witch Meets Braveheart. Oh, 
What? Yeah. Okay. I'm on board. All right. And our last editor is Gardner Gold, and they helped on the projects Hotel Artemis and The Grudge, the more recent edition. Oh, the, the more recent Grudge. Yeah. I'm curious about that, even though I have a history with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm curious enough, too, but I'm not in, like, any huge rush to go see it. All right, the music was composed by Roque Baños, and Mr. Baños, another one of those guys, got some pretty cool films underneath his belt. So if you go back, he helped on such films as 2000's Sexy Beast. He helped on such things as 2004's The Machinist. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. Highly recommend it. You might recognize his work on such things as 2008's Diary of a Nymphomaniac. He helped on 2009's, yeah. Seven Minutes, the film The Last Circus from 2010. Actually, pretty decent film. Also helped on 2013's Evil Dead. You might have heard his work on such things as The Miracle Season from 2018. And it looks like a couple of different things coming up. He did help with Don't Breathe Part 2. And he's got a couple of other things in post-production, mostly Spanish works. The special effects was done by Aparato Post. They helped with the visual effects. This was produced by Fetty Alvarez, Sam Raimi, and Robert Tappert. Distributed by Sony Pictures Releasing for the 2016 United States theatrical release. It was released on March 12, 2016 at the South by Southwest Film Festival down in Austin, Texas here in the States. And stateside, it was released on August 26, 2016. With an estimated budget of about $9.9 million and it grossed worldwide. Do you want to take a guess? Oh, I've already seen okay. it. Okay. $157.8 million. Yeah. Now, here's actually something a little bit more interesting about its box office. It had a really impressive showing at South by Southwest. Had really good word of mouth coming out of there. However, based on the metrics that Sony was actually seeing it was projected to not actually do that well. It was projected to do like, I think like 60 to 80 total. Gotcha. Well, which I mean is still, still, bad, still I mean, with that budget, yeah. especially with that budget, even if you double it for marketing, it's still not a bad return. Or maybe it was 40 to 60. Still, still, I would have took that. Yeah. It like takeable, but not right. Not, not what it did. And then it's opening weekend. It still wasn't, that great. I think it had like a twenty-six million dollar opening weekend or something like that, which that's decent. That's it's decent, but that's kind of what they were expecting. Because so what you normally do is I think it's for at least the first few weeks, each week generally drops by like thirty-three percent. So that still ends up getting you around the forty to sixty range yeah. by the time it's actually out of theaters, right? except it didn't drop off. Once it was in theaters, it had great word of mouth, and it kept at, like, that same for That's weeks in a row. Good. Yeah, because you don't hear that. There's usually a drop-off after a week or two. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's good. That's good and so, word of and mouth. That's, and that's how it ended up getting to that pretty insane number, was, like, people either kept coming back or they got their friends to go, basically. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's what the movie-going experience can do, and I'm, I'm happy I did it for this film. Mm-hmm. You know, so along with that now, we do have a tagline, and the tagline I pulled from this film is, This house looked like an easy target until they found what was inside. Mm, okay. So not too bad. I mean, it, you know, it's on the nose, but we get it. 
All right, now I don't have a very extended cast, right? But uh, pretty interesting cast nonetheless. So I'm going to start off with Stephen Lang plays the role of Norman Nordstrom. He is our blind man in the film. And um, just a few things of note from Mr. Lang. You might have seen him in 1986's Manhunter. That is Michael Mann's Manhunter. It's funny, man. I was thinking about fucking Brian Cox over the weekend Mm -hmm. because of the movie The Ringer, Johnny Knoxville's. And I can't remember why we were. I think some of us were quoting it at work, but I was like, "Man, what a fucking departure from playing Hannibal Lecter to playing some goofy ass uncle who's a con man for Johnny Knoxville." Right. I'm like, "Wow, what a whew, what a career he's had." All right, but we're talking about Mr. Lang here. <laughs> but Stephen has also been. In I'm such not gonna lie. I had forgotten that he was fucking Freddie Lowndes in Manhunter. Yeah, dude, it's crazy, isn't it? That's fucking insane. He's way scarier now. <laughs> so gnarly man he was in Gettysburg and Tombstone both in 1993 he was also in Gods and Generals from 2003 2009's Public Enemies and outside of that he's helped with such things as The Speed of Darkness it looks like he won a Saturn Award for Best Supporting Actor also for his performance in James Cameron's Avatar from 2009 and uh, yeah so he was a co-artistic director of the Actors Studio so he's pretty well known man he's got some pretty cool titles to his name outside of that extensive career man bit of a spoiler he follows up his role in don't breathe too and i know we've talked about it a little bit too so i haven't watched it but he's in vfw it's another film i'm kind of curious about yeah me too i think donnie saw it yeah i think he said good things about yeah, it yeah fred williamson's in it mm-hmm. a couple others I'm, so yeah i'm kind of curious the trailer looked good yeah and i believe it's an rjl films maybe XYZ. i think you're right so yeah we'll see we'll see all right we have Jane Levy, and she plays the role of Roxanne Rocky in the film. Roxanne. And Jane, she's got a really cool career. So for people who don't know, she was in the film we keep talking about, and that was 2013's Evil Dead, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah man. I think some other people might recognize her because she was in such things as 2017's There's Johnny. She was also in Castle Rock, which is really cool. She played one of the Torrances, Jackie Torrance, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, yep, yep. which is really cool. She was also in uh, Netflix thriller miniseries What If from 2019. And uh, she was also in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, uh, where she received a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress in a Television Series Musical or Comedy. So good on her, man. All right, we have... Dylan Minette, he plays the role of Alex in the film. A few things of note from him. Some people might recognize him as Clay Jensen in the Netflix drama series 13 Reasons Why. Two of my sisters actually watched it. I watched an episode or two, and it's pretty decent. It's more geared towards, like, teenage high school kind of groups. Mm. Pretty decent, though. All right, he also made guest appearances in several television series, which include Lost, the television series Awake, Scandal, Grey's Anatomy, Supernatural, Prison Break, and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it looks like he's a vocalist and rhythm guitarist for the alternative rock band Wallows. Some people might have also seen him in Let Me In, which I haven't seen the remake of that. I've seen yeah, I mean, Let the Right One In. I, I actually still haven't watched either of them. I keep meaning to watch Let the Right One In. Yeah, but. I like Let the Right One In without spoiling too much. Like I said, I just haven't had a chance to see Let Me In. He also was in the... 
thriller film Prisoners from 2013. Actually, I like that film a lot. And some people who were, you know, like family comedies, he was in Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day, and Goosebumps along with The Open House. So for those who are curious, he is going to be in the upcoming fifth installment of the Scream franchise scheduled for next year. Oh, shit. Yeah, so good on him. All right, I have just a few other people. I have Daniel Zavato who plays the role of money in the film. A few things of note from him. Some people might recognize him for the 2013 film Beneath. He was in 2014's It Follows, as well as the rom-com Laggies from 2014. Looks like he was also in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He was also in 2014's Revenge. And he was also uh, Jack in Fear the Walking Dead. Looks like he was also a part of that Penny Dreadful City of Angels television series. And uh, two other actresses I have. I have Emma Berkovici. She plays the role of Aditi, which is the little sister of Rocky in this film. But just a few things of note from her for those who are curious. She was in the 2017 film Sandwich and 2021's Shadow and Bone. All right. We have, last but not least, Francesca Torchik. She plays the role of Cindy Roberts. And we'll mention who she is a little bit later on in the film. But a few things of note from her, she was in 2014's movie Swing, 2015's movie Act, or and 129 from this year. So that pretty much rounds out the cast and crew. You gave us a setup, should give you some warnings. Warning. What warnings do we want to give them? Without I mean, spoiling anything? I mean, there's, there's violence, there's some gun use. Not much more. I mean, there's blood and stuff like that. But Okay, without any context, there is a... Threat of sexual assault. Yes. That never goes through, but it's there. Yes. It still gets used, but not in the way you think. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that more later. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. (laughs) So there's that. Just know that. It's there. It's on the table. I mean, there's some animal abuse, if you want to call it that. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. You could say that. Did we say language? Language. Yeah, there's definitely language. I said gunplay, blood... But not much, not not a whole lot. It's mostly tension and suspense, more right. so than horror per se. This plays with the home invasion genre, so it's that kind of tension, right? And, and with that, I think we've said enough that we just need to get into spoilers. So let's find out how this made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, don't breathe. All right, you can breathe. how did it make us feel i mean so you've seen this before this was my first time i liked it it didn't like blow me away i'm not sure if i'm more or less excited for the sequel it seems like in the sequel (laughs) fucking blind man's getting turned up to 11 he almost seems like he's doing superhuman type shit in that one where he seemed a lot more (laughs) grounded in this one but yeah that's what i'm kind of curious about because you have seen the previews for the yeah. new one prior to seeing this film. Yes. Yeah, so that was my curiosity. Like, all right, what does Tyler think about, initially about the trailers? Because you really don't have any context prior mm-hmm. to watching the film, right? Now that you do know, it's going to change a little bit. Because when I see the previews, knowing this now, I'm like, oh, man, if people haven't seen this one, then they're going to think that he's some kind of, yeah, G.I. Joe badass. Mm-hmm. But he's not really a good person. No, no. <laughs> And that's um, where my curiosities peak. He's not a good person. I wonder if he can change, though. 
I do wonder if the twist of the second one is going to be that, like, perhaps he does really care for that girl. Is he going to look at her like a daughter figure? Mm-hmm. I but know, we'll see. Seeing this one makes the quote from the trailer, the like, I don't know who he is, but I know who he's not. <laughs> yeah. Make a lot more sense Maybe. or some sort of sense, at least. <laughs> that's a good line, though. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, that's a good fucking line, especially to put in the trailer like that hooks you. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. So, OK, but this one, I guess there was a couple things I wouldn't say I was necessarily let down by. But because I saw the trailer for the sequel, like there's one scene in that trailer that has as high of a body count as this entire movie. <laughs> so I was yeah. expecting this one to have a bit higher of a body count. And I thought it was going to kind of go like the macabre route where like, oh, wow, that would have been awesome. Where like, you know, there's not really anybody around and then yeah, people show people up. people in. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're. But that didn't really happen. Sealed. Which no. once it. I wasn't bummed out by it. Like, I still think this is a good movie, even right. without having that. But I kind of thought something like that was going to happen. I think it would have really ratcheted up the tension and suspense. And, you know, for us horror fans, too, the body count. But, yeah, it chose not to. And I think that was a deliberate decision, too, both by Fetty and their, mm-hmm. the writers. And that's okay. I think they wanted to go with a different angle, and they did. And it's, like you said, it's still fun. Still pays off in a, a way. I enjoyed this movie. I really liked it. Like, we watch it twice going into this. I both was paying more attention because I was taking notes and also did not care as much the second <laughs> yeah, time through. Yeah. There's a great twist in this movie that we've kind of alluded to a couple times already by saying that, like, Stephen Lang is not a good guy, but it's not the kind of twist that changes what comes before it. Right. I agree with that, too. I mean... It's Honestly, cool. nobody, yeah, nobody really in this film are good people per se. No. You know, some people have good intentions. They just do some bad shit, you know, and it's, oof, can't really justify that. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Like, one of the things that I almost don't like about this movie, and it's kind of fucked up, but it's a, one of those stories that's really simple, so it's harder to talk about on the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what and I that's mean? That's okay, that's okay. Like I took a good amount of notes, but I, even when I look down at them, I'm like, I kind of wish that I either would have wrote down more or something different or yeah. I don't know what, but it's kind of a simple fucking flick. They go to rob this blind guy and it turns out he's a badass and it kind of turns into a stalker movie in his house. It really does. Like you said, I mean, it's a pretty simple story. It's not something we haven't heard before. You know, a girl wants to get her and her sister out of a bad situation that they're in. They get this... I want to use a Trailer Park Boys reference for fans of this, but they want to do the big dirty, which is one big job that has a big payoff, and then they're done. Mm-hmm. You know, and this has that potential. And if you follow stuff like this, you know it never goes the way it's intended or the way they have it planned. And you're right. The guy, even though he's blind, and even though he lives alone, whew, man, he's, he's going to fuck you else. up. Yeah. I guess, like, the saving grace of this movie is that everyone knocks it out of the park. And, like, he's a believable badass that you want to see more of, which, like, I absolutely, of course they're doing a sequel. <laughs> yeah. But, like, otherwise, what? It's like a B-plus movie. Yeah. You know it's what like, I mean? Like, that's kind of how I feel. I think the first, the very first time I watched it, I was, like, pretty excited about it because, like, you know, this is a, it's a fun film. I think it delivers in terms of, like, the suspense and it has, like, some startling moments not necessarily jump scares, but kind of on the brink of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, 
just enough to give you a kind of makes it startle you. It's all the right kind of jump scare, right? And it it has a pretty decent delivery, you know. And I don't know, like B plus. I'm not going to argue with you there because I think that's fair. You know, A at the best, B plus I think is more fitting. But okay, there's a couple things that I really, really, really liked. Basically, the entire character of Alex. Yeah, he's a good character. Alex is great. More crime films in general need to use this idea of the guy who's in the gang who knows the law well enough to advise you on how to minimize your legal risk. He was all over it, man. That's actually just a fascinating fucking concept, just like beyond horror, just for like crime movies, heist (laughs) movies, like having a guy along who's like, we're already breaking the law. I'm here to like advise you so that if we do get caught, you're serving minimum time. Yeah, exactly. We're in, we're out. Literally. Both sides. And yeah, the character is always going to have to be kind of like a stick in the mud. Yeah. But there's ways to play with that. That's true. But I thought his character was good in that approach. Plus, like we've pointed out in the past, like, I think me and you both kind of like characters that fight back realistically. Like the time Stephen Lane gets a hold of him, he fights back. And it works real well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. You have to. I dug Alex, I guess. Like, I mean, he's him, the character that you want to mm-hmm. root for. Him, Stephen Lang were the standouts for me. Not yeah. that anyone else does a bad job. But, but like, no, I think those are probably the two solids. And then from there, you know, Jane, she does a good job. And the guy who plays money, he does a pretty good job, too, mm-hmm. for his character. There's something I'll bring up maybe a little bit later on after I watched a review and somebody pointed this out. And I was like, whoa. Wow, I don't know if this was done intentional or not, but it's a weird coincidence. I'll bring it up later on. Okay. Yeah, it's really interesting. So yeah, just setting up the characters with like that first little heist, that was cool. Yeah. You see how shitty it is at home for Roxy, and like, yo, you caught like her neo-Nazi fucking boyfriend, right? Dude, that's fucked up, and her mom's, you know, doing the blowjob motion while Mm -hmm. her little sister is right there in the kitchen. Yeah. Like, damn, that's some white trash Detroit shit right there, bro. Trash shit. Yeah, woo. Like, no wonder you want to get out of the- Yeah, I'd be taking this fucking job, too. Yeah, I mean, there might not be any surf in Michigan, but there definitely is in California. Let's mm-hmm. get the fuck out of here. Yeah, so, that, I mean, that's the whole point they're giving you. What I like, too, is when Alex goes home, he's dropping the keys off, and just by the computer shot, screen, all that, it's like, you know his dad works for the security alarm mm-hmm. system, whatever, and, yeah, it makes sense why he would know the laws and the ins and outs of all this stuff. Like, let's do it by the book. <laughs> not be dumb. They're going after this house on a tip to begin with. So you have to imagine that the intel was good. Even though we hear what the intel was, and I don't think it's enough to justify this little leap, there is one bit where you just kind of have to accept the movie logic of he kept that much money in the house. That's a lot of money, dude. I guess. <laughs> Like, okay. And I think Jane's character, I think Roxy says something about it when they first come up to the house. I think they lampshaded a little bit there. She says something like, oh, you think all the money's in the house? But I wrote down the same note. Like, that much money, like, this movie's actually going to say he's just, like, sitting on it in his place. (laughs) Like, I get he's kind of a loner, but he doesn't seem that fucked up. Yeah, I know, right? Damn. I mean, he's fucked up, but we see the way he's fucked up. I don't think it translates to 
he's not going to go put his fucking savings in a bank fucked up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a little far-fetched. But you're right, you have to stay within the movie's but logic. If, yeah, but if you get rid of that, you don't have a movie. So whatever. Like, I get it. Likewise, I'm like, it starts to raise questions, but once you start going down that route, like, you can really start picking this movie apart. Yeah. And we know that's you, you not have really to be the like, movie's cool. intent. Money's in the house, otherwise we that's, don't have a movie. That's cool. all we need to know. Got it, got <laughs> that's it. Right. Okay. I don't like it. But, but there we're, we're there. It's right there. Yeah. This is what we're playing with. <laughs> yeah. All right. Even though I do like this film, one of my minor critiques is the use of Stephen Lang's senses. Some, yes, it would make sense in certain situations and others. It fails them. I thought like, that it on, varied man. pretty wildly. Like, I think from what we've seen so far of the trailers of the second one, it seems like they've tuned him up to 11, yeah. but it at least seems to be consistent. And I'm okay with consistency. It didn't feel consistent in this. Absolutely not. That's my yeah. gripe with that is he goes from passing characters, and we already know because he establishes that he has a heightened sense of smell, apparently. Yeah, he's getting within inches of them, but he can smell their fucking shoes from right feet away. Right after whatever he was doing in that little shop room he was in, laundry room. We know what he does later on, but... Yeah, I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. When do you pick and choose to start using your sense of smell? <laughs> it's like, dude, what are you doing? Especially when you're, like, stopping, like, right in front of Alex. Like, his chest is, like, three inches from your fucking nose. Right, dog. and there's a time where he busts the door open right in front of Rocky mm -hmm. and just kind of sidesteps her, <laughs> goes to the bottom. I'm like, come on, man. You got to give me some consistency here. And that's not very consistent. Like, so when money's in his room, I think he knows. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He knows something's off. Like, that's a fake go back to bed. That's why he doesn't get fully caught by the gas. Like, he lets money leave. Yeah. And follows him back down. I agree. He was fully aware at that moment. But other than that, I do feel like even his hearing, we brought up the smell, but I think the hearing's inconsistent, too. Man. I agree with that, too. Because... Like, I don't know, it's superhuman enough that, like, the fucking washing machine going throws them into fucking convulsions, but there's times where they're just, like, a room over fucking talking, and it's obvious when he comes in that he didn't catch what they were talking about, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, but those are just, like, little minor things, though. But it's still pretty fucking cool the way he still knocks it out of the fucking park for the most part. He does. I don't think the inconsistencies are necessarily his fault. No, 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 I think it's mostly in the script. And even then, it, it probably reads better than when you bring it to life. You know what yeah, I mean? I know what you're saying. Yeah. There might be some difficulties translating it mm -hmm. Yeah, from book to screen, but that's okay. You know, it doesn't detter too much. It's just like minor little things that I'm getting at. It doesn't detract from the film, I think, as a whole. But um, I think throughout, like, all right, I know we're kind of side-skirting a lot of stuff, but once they're in the house, once they've got the job, they break into the house, and you said money's already gone upstairs and then when he comes downstairs and startles them and you've already mentioned alex is telling him he's like dude they think perhaps the money might be in the side room that's locked why else would there be a lock on it little do they know what's down there right so money he has a homemade silencer right pops the lock off but before that he's getting all loud and shit i'm like what the fuck are you doing guy Yo, also, that kind of homemade silencer, 
oh, you're no, maybe you're taking five decibels off. Yeah, see, that's another gripe you can make too. Is like, the but proximity. that's every silencer in movies. Like silencers oh, don't yeah. make it so you can't hear shit. Silencers make it so you don't have to wear hearing protection. That was my gripe coming up was the use of firearms in close proximity. Man, half everybody in that room would have been deaf. They do it better later. They do. Like, things get all fucking tinny when he shoots the fucking gun off in the basement later. Yeah, but they should have been doing it earlier, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, once money makes himself known and then, <laughs> then fucks around and gets shot in the face. Yo, that was dope. I liked it. The money kill was good. That was a good money shot. It was a good money <laughs> shot. The effects looked good Right up. It. Yeah, lit his right ass. Right up all over oh. the wall. <laughs> Yeah, Rocky retreats in the closet, and uh, Dylan at that point, his character, Alex, he was like already gone because the guy was shooting. He's like, I'm out of here, dude. I'm not getting 10 years for this shit. Another reason why I like Alex. Yeah. He should have just kept fucking walking, too. Like I know. It was I, like I, a, I got he. I get he has a hard-on for fucking Rocky, but. Yeah. And, yeah, like, they're his friends, even if money's a dick. Like, it does That's, seem like they get along more than they don't get along, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, you gotta know when to walk out of a situation. But if he's gonna, yeah, if he's gonna bring a fucking gun like that, you're already the safe man. You gotta get your ass out of there. Yep, I'm done. So, <laughs> yep, yeah. So that's unfortunate. But what that really leads to, right, is money dying. Now it leaves Alex coming back into the house. We've already talked about the blind guy passing him and all that stuff. But the whole point is eventually... It's they all get, done really well. It's just inconsistent when you stop to think it, about it. It is. There are inconsistencies. and It's good even tension. Yeah. I was going to say, even... It's the, why I liked the, I like the movie. I do, too. I mean, they set things up. They make things obvious. Like, hey, we're going to use this probably a little bit later on. Pay attention to this really mm-hmm. quick. Pay attention to this room really quick. Pay attention to this really quick. Here's another gun for them. Right. They're setting up these like little establishing shots to give you a little foreshadowing of what's to come and they execute it and it's all hunky dory you know making a very very long story short is they wind up going downstairs this is after rocky sees him go into the safe right so she knows the password he uses for at least one thing right we'll see if he works elsewhere as a two for two yeah because what they do is once Which would they, make sense. He's a blind guy. It's probably more about the pattern on the number of patterns. Yeah, exactly. He's like, this. I can remember this pattern. So they get the money. They go downstairs because it's like, hey, that's our way out. Because he's already you know locked the front door with all those fucking locks. So they go downstairs. They're going to use the cellar, like the storm door, to try to get out. While they go down there, they bump into another character that really starts to unravel this story. I was like, oh shit, martyrs? <laughs> <laughs> nope, not quite, but damn, what it could have been. That would have been, can you imagine a crossover? <laughs> like a Stephen Lang's of one of the fucking caretakers for a martyr? That would have, that would, I would shit my pants if that was the fucking case. I'd be like, yes. Fucking laughs in Pascal Lagier. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's getting fucked down here. <laughs> but, no, it wasn't meant to be. We learn who she is, though, because uh, Alex is just wanting to get out. He's like, no, we'll call the cops. We'll get her out. We got to go now. But, you know, it, you, we kind of knew what was coming. Oh, no. So the newspaper clippings she held up were of the accident, not of her missing. I was about to say, were yep. the newspaper clippings that she held up were of her missing? Because that's kind of be fucked weird, up. Because it? it'd, be like, it'd be like he brought it down there just the to taunt her. her. Yeah. <laughs> 
Look but no, it's it's of man. the accident. That's how they figured it out. I was just I was blanking on it for a second. No, it's okay. But yeah, I mean that's what she shows. And they're Rocky. like, oh shit, you're the one that hit his little girl. Yeah, and then she kind of like mumbles because she's all taped up and bound and all this stuff. But it also sets off the bell upstairs. That's after he finds the shoes in the kitchen and finds out his money's missing. He can hear that bell, but he can't hear the rest of the noise they were making to get down there. I guess. I don't know. Yes, there's inconsistencies. But they were being pretty quiet, not that quiet. That bell sets, no puns, but it sets an alarm off, right? They're scrambling to open up the padlock from the cellar door so they can fucking get out of there. But once they open it, guess who greets them? It's our boy with a pistol (laughs) that he got from upstairs, apparently. And, uh, yeah, he, he lets one off. And it clips a couple of them off. Well, the first one clips Dylan in the air, or yep. Alex in the air. Then he pops a few other ones off. And At least once, one looks like they miss. Uh huh. One hit somebody else. We're about to yeah. find out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that has such a major payoff too. You know what? You barely see anything. That was well done. I the like fucking it. Shot through the fucking jaw. Yeah, and her reaction. And, and you just see the fucking the red mark, and then it just starts Blood. to bleed under the. The gag thing. I liked it, man. It worked. It worked real fucking well. It was effective. I agree with that. <laughs> that sends Alex scrambling. That sends Rocky scrambling. But once the blind man comes downstairs and discovers whose body is mm-hmm. down there, oh, man, he ain't having a good day. And you're like, what? 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 <laughs> yeah, why is he so torn up? Uh, yeah, so... That leads to him shutting off the power, and that leads to them. This is a, a known trivia, but for those who don't know, the characters, I mean, the actors themselves were wearing lenses. So when the blackout scenes happen down in the basement, the cellar, if you want to call it that, Alex and Rocky, they're both wearing the, you can see it, like their eyes are very, mm-hmm. you know, dilated. And Stephen Lang, he was wearing some other type of lenses that could, you know, he could barely see light coming through it to give him kind of that blind perspective. Right. Yeah, so they did use lenses, which was kind of neat. But um, I thought it was really cool because you can see, like, they were kind of panicking a little bit. That was one of my, probably one of my more favorite sequences. Although my favorite detail from it is Stephen Lang reaching out and touching certain landmarks so yeah. that he knows where he's, where at, he's at in the room. Yeah, because he hits, like, an overhead, like, banister or whatever. And you see him getting ready for certain things, getting his yeah. hand out in anticipation. He's like, and I hit this. Okay, cool. Now I know where I'm at. Right. Now I hit this, and now I know where I'm at. And so he's fucking, he's, like, hauling ass around the room. Dude, yeah, that's like a Jason Voorhees coming after your ass. Even though he's blind, he knows where he's at, and you don't. <laughs> You're fucked. He's a really fucking effective slasher. Dude, yeah. Even though it's not supernatural, it has a little mm-hmm. bit of that feel, like his presence. He's just right around the corner. Like I mentioned, like this is one of the parts where he gets a hold of Alex. And like this is what I think of when I say yeah. like Alex fights back well. Like he pushes over all the shit on him. Yeah, he's trying to get the fuck out of that situation. We watch a lot of movies where people get a hold of like that and just. There he is. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Just snap my neck, bro. <laughs> but no. like, no, you're. Fuck. You got shit around you. He's grabbing you through a fucking, it's not a bookcase, but through shelving. Yeah, exactly. Shove fucking shelving on him. Yeah. (laughs) He can't (laughs) see what you're doing. And he does, which is good. If it gets him loose, he gets united with 
rocky, and then they are looking for the light, and it leads them back upstairs because now they're like, all right, we need to get the fuck out of here upstairs. We've got the keys, which they got. That's how they used the passcode in that mm-hmm. other safe. And when they go back upstairs, that's when the Rottweiler greets them. That whole thing plays out. Like, honestly, man, at that point, I started tuning out a little bit because I'm like, I've seen people get chased through a fucking house in a home invasion movie. Yeah. Something's going to happen. It's not going to get interesting to me again until somebody's either getting killed or they get outside because once they're outside, Stephen Lang doesn't have the advantage anymore. Right. So everything has to be within the confines of the property. It did lead to one of my favorite little, like, I laughed real hard when fucking Alex went out the window yeah, just to land on another window. He did. He went from window to window. But they set that window up earlier. And he wakes up in enough time to start to scoot off it, but but to have it shot out from underneath him to go through another window and land on the ground. I know. Isn't that some shit? And that made me laugh real fucking hard. It's good. It's good. (laughs) I'm like, that is just your luck, homeboy. I know it, man. <laughs> Damn. Right when you think he's out of a bad situation, he goes right through another bad one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And during that whole commotion, Rocky goes through the vents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of like people under the stairs. Yo, a dog coming at you in a space like that is scary as shit. Fuck yeah. I'm sorry, dog. You're getting kicked in the face or something. I'm not letting you bite me. Not just that, but like, I Jesus. wouldn't have had to like fall into the vertical vent because like the force of how much I would have been shitting myself would have oh my just gosh. propelled me over that edge. Yeah, well, yeah, we're getting over that. Fuck that noise, dude. I ain't God. getting caught by no Cujo underneath no house. God, that would be frightening as fuck. But yeah, that was that dilemma she was in. But she winds up like you you were already saying she fell through that vertical drop. For a second, when she wakes up from that drop, it looks like she got real fucked up by that drop for a second. You know she's not having a good day. No. (laughs) That shit would suck. So I was like, are they going to go dark enough that they just turned into her fucking, like, paraplegic for the rest of the movie? But nah, she ends up getting that No, she's good. She just landed weird. (laughs) (laughs) Our boy Alex is downstairs, and he starts to get fucked up because he's hiding. He's holding his breath until the blind man hears him gasp, and he's like, all right, you're in the laundry room. He catches him, and he starts fucking him up pretty damn good. Dude, stab fake out. Extremely well done in this movie. Yeah, because you're like, oh, no. He got it. Or did he? I mean, this is spoiler section. He didn't. <laughs> Money's corpse got it again. Yeah, he did. And that's okay. He's already dead. He's not going to feel dead. that. He's not going to feel that. Money don't care. Money probably deserved it. Money was an asshole. Yeah, he was a dick. <laughs> Okay, okay, that's what happened. So Rocky wakes back up. She starts to, like, it looks like she's going to make her way out. She finds his vent, like, little gate trap or whatever. She kicks out. And right before she can get out, our guy gets her. Oh, The blind man right. grabs her through and pulls her through and starts to beat her ass. And uh, she's the one who gets <laughs> bound and gagged downstairs. Oh, wait. Was that? Oh, no, no. Okay, that comes up later. Never mind. Yeah, 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 he just beats her ass for a bit and then takes her downstairs. Yeah, and then he starts to confess, like, what his scheme was, essentially. Like, who the girl was down there, we find out. You already mentioned the newspaper clipping tells who she is. But what his plan was... This is the fucking jaw drop moment, but I, I wish it was one that recontextualized the rest of the movie. Like, this is still fucking great <laughs> and makes it so much more fucked up than it was. <laughs> 
That's kind of where I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. But well, I'm glad it went there. Doesn't make the rewatch better. No, it does. I mean, it's just once you know the twist, you know the twist. Yeah, I prefer twists that make the rewatch better. This was still fucking great, just because it's fucked up. It's like she took my daughter away from me. I thought it only fair she gave me another. It's like, well, hold on, what? Wait, what? I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yes. What do you mean by that? And he explains. Because here's the thing. The way she was dressed up on the bed and the way he reacted, I kind of just thought that he had turned her into a surrogate daughter. And that would make sense. No, he didn't use her as a surrogate daughter. He used her as a breeding chamber for a surrogate daughter. Yeah, like more like a concubine. <laughs> Without actually physically penetrating. He makes that well known. Yeah. Well, he had more time with her. So it sounds like he says that he never raped her, but what he means is he never physically forced himself on her. Yeah. The power <laughs> and difference in that situation wow. makes it rape oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. But it's, yes, yes, but it's yes, implied yes. with the first girl that he just held her there until she agreed to his demands. Yeah. But that's when with Jane, he's like, I don't have that time. Right. We've got to make this happen. But I do have a turkey baster. Ta-da. <laughs> yeah. What are the odds? I'm also a lonely old man. Damn. And this Dude. thing's like half full. <laughs> I have a lot of jizz stored up. I was going to say, this is both disgusting and attention to detail all in the same the stroke. The fucking hair. The same the stroke. Hair. <laughs> yes. God damn it, dude. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? There's a goddamn pube floating in this. <laughs> like, the attention to detail is there. I like it. Oh, it's fucked up. <laughs> you know what the, this scene also funny. means? Because of how far he does get before, spoilers, Alex shows back up. Right. It means, although they don't show it, technically for the rest of the movie, until she gets away, there's a giant split in her crotch. Yeah. Because <laughs> he cuts open her pants. You're right. And I think that's like one of the continuity errors in this film is mm -hmm. that you don't see it, but you're right. Yeah, you don't see her badge just hanging out. Yeah, <laughs> but that was his intentions. Mm -hmm. Alex shows up, beats the shit out of him. She oh. kicks the shit out of him a bit, too. Yeah, and she's got a little surprise for him. She's not done. <laughs> You like the taste of that? A little taste of your own medicine. That's another part where I just fucking lost it out loud. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? They're going to fucking shove the turkey baster down his throat for a second and give it a nice little squeeze. Yeah, here's something I heard about this film before I'd even seen it for the first time was that scene. Somebody made mention of like, oh, man, that turkey basting scene is fucked up. <laughs> That's all I heard. I was like, I'm curious now. I wonder what they mean by that. Now I know. But, yeah, it's fucked up. And that gives them a momentary freedom from him, right? Because they chain him up because they get the handcuffs. And they chain him up downstairs. And they go back still upstairs. Not gonna, is Alex the reason why they don't just kill him? Does he bring up something because he's Mr. fucking law and I, order? I think so because he's basically said, you know, you got you got my money. Just go leave. Mm -hmm. That's what Stephen Lang says. And yeah, he's like, let's get the fuck out of here, basically. We got the money. Let's get out of here. And, uh, yeah, they go upstairs with the intention because now they got the keys for the locks for the front door. And uh, as they are doing that, homeboy gets shot in the back. You know, what the fuck? So Stephen Lee got out, shoots Alex in the back. He dies. He's dead. 
that sends Rocky scrambling, and that pretty much leads the dog chasing her because she's like, there's no way you can come get me. You're out of your element. <laughs> nope. So, once again, it got interesting. It she gets outside. Early. That's interesting. He can't follow, but he's got the dog. Once again, it might be a standard chase again right, from that point still. for a couple minutes, but it switched it up again. Like, okay. Even though we've seen he's a badass, now he's got to hope his dog can get the job Right, because if his dog's fucked, he's fucked. Yeah. And then her being smart enough to set up that fucking dog trap was baller as shit. Yeah, it was, dude. Like, she had to think. She had to think real quick in the moment, and she thought right, given the circumstances. And it's almost like a weird answer to Cujo, right? I think that's a homage, straight-up homage to Cujo. That was fucking cool. I liked it. I liked it. But she took way too long doing that shit. And yeah. you know what happens oh, when you take too long man. doing that yeah, shit? Yeah, you get Freddy Krueger Donkey and Jason. Punch! <laughs> you get all the news come sneaking up behind you. Yeah. Right in the back of the head. Boom. <laughs> yeah, and that leads us to like the opening shot of the film mm-hmm. where she's getting drugged down the street and then she winds up back in the house and it looks like he's ready to finish her off. And another thing they established earlier too is the ladybug. Yeah. Right. And she has that moment with the ladybug in this film. Like, we mentioned that their targets were people that Alex's dad's security company did. Right, right, right. Did we mention the fact that they had the alarm disabler? We didn't mention that, no, but we should. Because that comes back around. It I, does, yes, it does, big, big time. Because basically, basically, the way that they've been busting into these houses is they get into them and go use the, the, the repairman alarm disabler to disable the alarm before yeah. it sends off the signal. Precisely. So she has a remote control for the alarm. Yeah, and she's like, oh, it's already been established. Yeah, that he doesn't do well with the high frequency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sets him off, and she beats the fuck out of him. And there's a moment where they're almost face-to-face, mm-hmm. and she has to make a split-moment decision to, do I swing out or do I let him shoot me? <laughs> She swings out, and he lands on his back, down in the cellar. Gun goes off. Gets him in the side. Yeah, gets him in the side, and it looks like he's done down there. And Yo, he should have... Dude takes an obscene amount of punishment in this movie. Because they whack the fuck out of him with that pipe earlier, too. Dude, they do. They beat the shit out of his ass. <laughs> he's a fucking veteran, dude. Yeah. That motherfucker is strong. Yeah, so anyhow, she gets away. There's a cop car that comes, and the next thing we get is her and her sister are waiting in a train depot for their train, I guess, to California, whatever. And she happens to pass a news report on the television, and it's talking about the blind man, the two assailants that he shot and killed because they were part of a burglary, went wrong, what have you. But he's in Miraculously survived. He's in stable condition, and, you know... The way that they walk off, you're kind of anticipating, is he going to be at that train depot? What's going on? But there's no way. No. Nah. nah. So They got away, but she's just going to be fucked up about it for the rest of her life. Yeah. So, I mean. Like, like so, I don't think she has anything to do with the sequel either. Nah. I don't think he's going after her. No. I think she's scot-free. Yeah. She's just, like I said, going to be fucked up about it. Cause, right. But you know what? A million dollars make you forget a lot of stuff, too, mm-hmm. back in Michigan. Yeah, yeah, you can hire some good therapists for that. Yeah, it's like, I just have to talk about it with the rapist, therapist. <laughs> Yo, overall good. It's just a straightforward 
I mean, honestly, it's a twist on the home invasion. Yes, it is. But it's still pretty straightforward. Right. I think something that I do like is how initially they set it up. Other than the twist. Right. They initially set it up to make you feel sympathetic towards the blind guy, right? Because... I'm going to call this one of those fucking, okay, because he's blind, but you also just cast fucking Jack Nicholson in The Shining. <laughs> yeah, you know amazing. what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. look at what Stephen Lang looks like these days. Like, yeah, there's dude. no way that this is going to be a normal blind guy. Ever. Even without seeing any marketing for this movie, there's no way that he's going to be a normal yeah, blind he's too, guy. He's too jacked. But <laughs> that's the thing. I think that's like the clever move. If you don't know anything about this style of genre, if you don't know about anything, right? It's like, yeah, you want to feel sympathetic. Like, why would you want to break into not only a blind guy's house, but he's a Gulf War veteran. You should feel ashamed of yourself. And, yeah, when they do the twist, it's like, oh, hold on. Now he becomes the fucking antagonist, and he's got a fucking weird twist. What is he doing with that girl down there? Right. Damn. <laughs> that's what sets this movie apart. Yeah, and that's, what I'm saying. that's where it does separate itself. You can't guess that that's coming. You can guess that maybe he's still doing something fucked up. Right. But or maybe know. his relationship with his own daughter was more fucked up than you knew. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know until but we learn. You're like, oh, fuck. Being like, <laughs> I'm going to make me a daughter. Yeah. And I got the jism to prove it. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, so much jizz. Oh, man. What this was like a seven day load. <laughs> yeah. My gosh. Yeah. So that's what we learned. That's the twist. You know, there is. I wouldn't call it happy ending per se, but you know, she gets out of her situation with her sister and you can find And gets out of having a shitty ass boyfriend and money. Yeah, exactly. And got our boy out of the friend zone. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so there's that. But yeah, it's fucked up, but like I said, there's there's a lot of million dollars can do for you if you do it right. Okay. So I very much enjoy listening to Sincast. It's a podcast that the Cinema Sins guys from YouTube do. You all might know them from, you know, everything wrong with. <laughs> yeah. Long running series at this point gets hundreds of thousands of views every time they post a video. You guys know who I'm talking <laughs> about. If you've only watched those videos, it seems like they like to shit on movies. If you listen to their podcast, you know that they actually really fucking love movies. That's why they're able to put those videos together. Yeah. It's just that a couple of them worked as projectionists in giant movie chains for like decades. So they saw literally thousands of movies, some of them multiple, multiple times. So they've seen some of these tropes so, so many times. Anyway, I know that my taste in movies isn't their taste in movies, but because of their knowledge, I still like listening to them talk about movies. They were talking about the Don't Breathe 2 trailer when I was listening to their podcast the other day, and they were all just shocked that there was (laughs) going to be a sequel to this movie because they found it so heinous. If they find this heinous, I don't know how they get through some other movies. Yeah, that's a good point, man, because I'm like, huh, it's not the most heinous. Yeah, it's fucked up, but there's a lot worse. I get that they think it might be fucked up if they're setting him up to be a good guy because he's not. That's kind of where... I've already mentioned that, where I was curious what your take would be now that you know his story. Well, I i mean, I think it could still be real cool. Like, I was rooting for the Firefly family and fucking Devil's Rejects. I think we should all. Like, 
like I have no problem rooting for the bad guy if the rest of the movie is done right to make me want yeah. to. No, I agree with that too. I don't know. We'll see. I have some hopes for the sequel. I don't just root for the bad guy because he's the bad guy. No, no, no. Bad no, guys no. are fucked up. I don't lose right. the fact that give me no, something. To I don't root lose for. sight of the fact that they're a bad guy either. Right, right, right. But but I understand that I'm watching a piece of fucking media and can right. get me to root for the bad guy if it's the right bad guy and he <laughs> might be the right bad guy. I I thought he was a fucking badass in this, even if the kill count wasn't as high as I wanted it to right, be. Right, right, right. Even if he wasn't as superhuman as the trailers for the hey, second one make not, him out. Not to his be. fault. He got two out of the three. Mm-hmm. You know, probably give him more time. He would have got three out of three. But I thought he did a fucking great job. I yeah. thought the character was really fucking cool. It's a fucking good slasher. Yeah, he's kind of set up for that. Like, I mean, he's kind of Michael Myers without being <laughs> Michael Myers, right? Yeah. And the neat thing is, as far as we know, is that he doesn't necessarily have to go to you. You go to him. Mm-hmm. Which, that's a whole different type of, you know, storyline and twist to the genre. So, we enter at your own risk, I suppose. It's like... I don't know. It's kind of neat because I like it <laughs> from like a really nerdy perspective. It's like in Dungeons and Dragons checking a fucking treasure chest just to find out it's a mimic. You're like, God damn it. You asshole. Oh, fuck. A fucking trap. A booby trap. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm so much more curious about what's going on because it kind of seems like somebody's on his trail in that second one, right? Like, yeah, exactly. those guys are hunting him for a reason. Yes. I'm thinking they're on to his scheme. Now, Maybe. are they onto his scheme, or is it because of something he did while he served? That too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't know which direction. Are they going mm -hmm. as a prequel, or are they going as a sequel? Because I haven't read much on it, and you know, I want to see it first. I agree. I thought I heard someplace that it was supposed to be a prequel, but Stephen Lang isn't getting any younger. No, he's not. I, no, he's I, not. I think it has to be a sequel. And because if it's a sequel, then it does set up some other questions, you're right. Maybe mm -hmm. it's his Gulf War buddies, or... Yeah, exactly. It sets up other things, scenarios. I do want to see it still. Yeah, I'm curious enough. Unfortunately, I think it could I've... be better than this, potentially. I think so. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm really curious, even though I do enjoy this one. Before we get too far, I do want to mention something because I've already mentioned it earlier. Mm -hmm. And this happens sometimes when you smoke weed, but I did remember. <laughs> so I was watching a review on YouTube, and the gentleman's name is Chris Stuckman. And he does some pretty good reviews. I'll give him credit. I like him a lot. But he was talking about this film, and he brought up something I wasn't aware of. And I was like, oh, shit. He said he's surprised that nobody noticed the comparison of the characters from this film with some of the characters in the film Panic Room, a David Fincher film. Like, for instance, Jared Leto. It's been Leto's, too long since I've seen Panic oh, Room. Man, to... I'll show you a okay. video after this. It's pretty interesting. But Jared Leto's character... Is he and Money are like basically the same character? Uh, Jodie Foster and Jane Levy's characters are very similar in appearance and physique and what oh, they do weird. in the film. Some of the shots that are like the establishing shots, like for instance, when you first get the interior shots of the home where you see the glass ceiling, the washroom, some of the other like the door lock, you know, mm -hmm. you see that in panic room when you first enter the home and shit. Some of the same shots, same scenarios. It's like, man, this guy's bringing up some good points right now. This is odd. I don't know if it's pure coincidence, but there's there's a lot of them. Let's put it that way. So anyway, I did want to bring that up. And for those who like Panic Room, they might see some of the similarities, I guess. 
from Panic Room, which is interesting. Oh, shit. That's crazy. Yeah, I'll show you. It's kind of odd. It's interesting. I'm glad he brought it up because it's like, I didn't know that. Even though I have seen Panic Room, but like maybe once. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I've seen it once. Yeah, and I it's David it on top of it, so yeah. that's interesting enough. I'm pretty sure I saw it when it dropped on video, and I haven't seen it since. Well, I know I watched it because, you know, Jared Leto's in it, and um, some others, Forrest Whitaker, Kristen Stewart, mm -hmm. so pretty good cast. But anyway, the, the whole point was, like, wow, I didn't know that. That's kind of interesting. And I wonder how, if that was deliberate or not. Yeah, that's know. interesting. Because that's another home invasion story, too. So I don't know. <laughs> it's just kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know. It was cool. I just don't think I have too much else that I can really say about it. Cause it no, I think for those who do like suspense thrillers more so than horror, and we've already mentioned like body counts and stuff like that. This is more on that side. Yeah, I think this film delivers those goods, and it keeps you involved enough in the film to where you want to see what's happening. Like, is there a resolve? What's going to happen with these characters and stuff like that? Even with the blind guy, because mm -hmm. he's... He's an interesting character, man. You only get a little bit of backstory in the twist, and that's about all you get from him. Yeah. I will say this, what I thought was a nice touch. I don't know how many people mentioned this, too, but in the video that plays when money's upstairs, yeah, it's like a birthday party or maybe mm -hmm. not even a birthday party. I think it's just a video of the mom and the daughter having a conversation outside, doing whatever the fuck they were doing. And I was like, oh, they never really mentioned that, that he had a wife either. Right. But you can clearly hear a woman in that video with his daughter. That's right. Okay. So I was like, huh, interesting. I wonder if that could be worked in the sequel as well. That's another thing I'm kind of wondering about. So I was like, that's interesting. Why else would they bring that up unless they're going to use it at some point? Hmm. So that's something maybe to pay attention to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That sequel comes out soon. So now I'm pretty excited that I get to watch it without yeah. having to wait too long. I know. And so I think that was good timing and a good way of... Maybe officially talking about Fetty Alvarez, too. Absolutely. So that'll give us more excuses to talk about him down the road as well. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's a solid film. B+, plus, I think it's a fair grade. And, uh, yeah, we've already mentioned once again, it's a fun entry to more or less the suspense thriller home invasion sub -genre. Oh, wait, the sequel's out. Oh, yeah. It came out, I think, last month. Yeah. But it's not in any theaters around is what I was going to say earlier, too, mm. that I've looked into, which is kind of unfortunate. So I'll keep my eye just in case but if not there's other ways to find it Ooh, we don't know what we're doing next week not yet not yet and that's kind of the fun part about this too so we're gonna figure <laughs> that out uh, especially now that we're good in stone and for this week i'm tyler i'm danny fried squirms out Hi everybody, Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up.
not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.